everyone, and welcome to the Wild Work Workplacement Podcast. If you've been following the previous episodes or have even seen some of our social media posts, you might know that Kinga and I have been documenting our work placement journey, but now that's coming to an end as both our placements are starting to finish up. Over the course of the podcast series, we've been joined by our mentors and colleagues at Wild Work to discuss different aspects of our placement. And now it's time for us all to come together to reflect on all the experiences we've had in the last few months. So I'm delighted to be joined by Kinga Shaleska. Hi, Rachel. And Wildworks, Karen Loxton, Finbar Wallace, and William O'Halloran. Thanks, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. So thanks for joining me today, guys. I think it's, it's fair to just start off by talking about how we found our placement. And Kinga, considering today is your last day, how did you find your placement overall? Yeah, I think myself and Rachel have had a really good experience at Wild Work. We got to be a part of so many different projects. And yeah, the team were just so supportive. And even though it's such a weird time to do a work placement, you know, there was still that sense of team. And if you ever needed any help, it was always there. And yeah, I feel like I got a really good sense of what it's like to work at a biodiversity and conservation initiative. So yeah, big thank you to Wild Work for giving me all the opportunities they did. I'd agree with that as well. Like I think work placements give me such an opportunity to develop skills as a person and then as a team member. And throughout all of it, I felt like Wild Work was very supportive and they guided and encouraged me. But as well, Kinga, us starting together is I think was really beneficial because we could kind of work together and lean on each other. You were great help as well. I just want to say thank you so much for going through this journey with me. So Wild Work team, maybe start with William. How did you find having the first official work placement students on board at such a trying time as well? It's been very enjoyable for me, and I'm sure I'm speaking for Karen and Fimber also. Uh, we do have experience of having people on placement programs with us, but not people that are at your guys' level in terms of where you're at in college and the, the sort of knowledge and interests that you might have. So it was a great chance for us to have the chance to work with people that, you know, we were, we were looking forward to it really because you guys were going to be coming in and you'd, have, you'd know stuff about stuff that we don't know at all. So... I was looking forward to learning a lot from year placement also. And when I reflect back on that, I feel like I have learned a lot of things. Like Rachel, we've had very engaging conversations around stuff to do with climate change and carbon sequestration. And Kinga, you've been doing great work for us on biodiversity action plans and really delving into that whole space and highlighting some stuff that maybe we, we might have needed to be reminded of, but also bringing new things to the table for us at Wildwork. So... I mean, it's been great. And then you guys, like as people, have been great to work with as well. And that's an important thing when anyone joins a team that, uh, you know, Rachel Hayden on paper could uh, sound like a great person, but she could step inside the office or the virtual office in this case. And, you know, we might be able to work with her. But that side of it, both yourself and Kinga, it's been a great experience working with you as people also. So thanks for being part of the team. Oh, thank you very much. And as you said, we've had to do all of this through online, like most of us haven't met each other. So there's that dynamic as well, that we're all getting used to each other and getting to know each other through video calls and messages. So it's been, it's actually quite challenging that way, but everyone's been so helpful and really, really nice as well. It's been a great experience overall. It has been a great experience. I think the one thing I miss, though, is the chance just to, to sit down and, you know, chat with you about stupid things, silly things, you know, over lunch or over the 10 o'clock coffee and 12 o'clock coffee and one o'clock coffee. But the little chats that we've had before meetings, before recording podcasts have been great. You know, I've got a real flavor of your personalities and, you know, it's been great having you along. 
Yeah, for sure. That's the thing I, I think we all, all would have missed is just that face-to-face interaction that we just unfortunately haven't been able to take advantage of. What I find really sort of heartening is the fact that you guys actually went ahead and did the placement regardless of the fact that there were potential barriers to you getting the fullest out of it. So I, I think congrats to both of you for taking advantage of the placement in such a difficult time and also for making such a good hand of it for both of you. Yeah, here, here, definitely. Well, that's actually one thing that I could also say about wild work because when everything started with COVID and I don't know, Kinga, maybe it was the same for you, like my original project was changed. And for a lot of students went through the same with their work placement fighters and a lot of their placements actually fell through. But never once did I think that my placement with wild work wasn't going to go through. Constant communication, like, will you rang me one time to talk about my project and talk about starting? It was such a open communication that I never felt like the project was going to be a problem, never thought that changing my project to be a remote one was going to be an issue or that the placement wasn't going to go ahead. I think that was really comforting as a student because we have plenty of other stressors going on. Then just to know that the placement was so stable and that it was it was going to go ahead was, I, I don't know, for me it was such a comfort. What about you, Kinga? Yeah, no, definitely. I think we can all remember that week when, you know, we kind of went from zero to a hundred in a couple hours. And yeah, I was, I was certain that this placement was not going to be able to go ahead, like a hundred percent certain. I just, I send um, an email to William just being like, please, if there's any way. But yeah, you've all been so accommodating. And especially since I'm not able to, you know, participate um, in fieldwork like Rachel is, you know, it was really great for me that that didn't seem to be a problem and a barrier to my experience and that we could work, you know, against all the problems that um, arose from the pandemic. And yeah, that it was still just such a, such a rewarding experience. Yeah, if you could imagine how this has been for us, what it'll be like in future years when hopefully there isn't a pandemic. Exactly. I don't know, it might be too soon to say now because obviously we're just finishing up our placements. But is there anything in during your time, Kinga, that stood out as being like maybe just a, yeah, a standout point or something that you really enjoyed? Well, I think, you know, what's great about this placement is that you get to do so much that it's not limiting, you know, to a, a single project or a single task. And it never got boring. You got to work with just so many different people and learn so many different things. But I think for me, what was the best about this placement was that it was about local environmental projects and local biodiversity. I feel like I, in the past, didn't have that much knowledge about what was going on locally. In school and in college, we always kind of talk about, you know, major global events and global initiatives. And we never really hear about what's going on at home. So that was great for sure. And ties into the ID skills. Now I can go around and identify the nature that's around me, which I wasn't able to do before. And that's a very good point because it kind of brings in the idea that work placement and work placement fighters can gain from each other especially in this type of context where we're looking at biodiversity and conservation that by both students work placement coming together we can help the wider biodiversity that's great i think that's a really important point that you brought up for students is just to get an idea of what's happening in your own backyard i think all of us forget that so yeah that's really heartening to to know that that was something that you felt really benefited you yeah and then from the side of wild work with students coming in it's that it's connecting you at universities because Kinga came from UCC and I came from Queen's University Belfast so that's two separate colleges that are getting involved with wild work and again wild work are getting involved with the colleges so from your perspective how has that benefited you? 
William? I'm glad you've asked that question, Rachel, because working with universities is something that's very important for us, particularly because Wildwork, being an initiative of CCAD Partnership, we're very much connected with local community. And I'm aware that it's becoming increasingly important for academia to be more and more connected with local community because without being connected with local communities the, the learning that's and the research that's happening in the academic sector it may not be that well connected with what's going on on the ground so connecting with community helps to give you know clearer direction to academia and it also helps academia to give back to community too and it's so it's a great thing if we can bring community and academia closer together and Wildrick, in a sense, is like a conduit for that in the nature and biodiversity sense. And such a wonderful way then for us to make the most of that connection is to have students that are, you know, on college courses in, in universities or wherever else, on placement with us. So we can get really engaged with each other. So on the one hand, there's us working for Wildwork who are doing stuff with the university. Then there's you guys who are going to the university who are doing stuff with Wildwork. And bringing it all together is great. And I, I can imagine now Kinga having conversations with some of her colleagues when, or her student colleagues when she goes back to do Fortran next year or maybe some of her lecturers about wild work and talking about you know, what's going on in the community context with the stuff that you guys are learning about. And it's great to know that that's going to be happening. And who knows, some other students then might get inspired about some of the stuff that Kinga learned or that you learned, Rachel. And you might decide, oh, you know what, I'd like to do my... Um, my final year research project on something to do with uh, what what record we're doing with the community in Caracool or Middleton or Yall or wherever. So it's just brilliant to be able to bring ourselves closer together. And I think student placements is one of the best ways to make that happen. And I think that actually kind of ties in with Finbar, that you're doing a lot of biodiversity action plans. And Kinga, your project was based on biodiversity action plans. So it's very similar. It's community getting people involved. So there's kind of a connection with everything. The way I see it, looking back now, literally every part of work placement, students, providers, what you actually do, the actions you take seem to all really work together. Yeah, for sure. I'd say that. And we'd say, for example, biodiversity action plans, when we're working with a local community, there may be something in the local community that they want to know more about as an action. They may not have the resources to do it, but a student may be working in that space and want to do a project. So wild work could potentially act as, you know, the intermediary. So it's creating that connection between academia and local communities where they can help each other. So the student may be looking for somewhere to do a project, but not know where to begin. But we know lots of community groups who may exactly want somebody to do a project in their local area. So it's a great it's a great opportunity to have students uh, connecting with wild work uh, and helping helping us as well because it's been a great help having you both on your placement because thing of the work you've been doing looking into biodiversity action plans and reading through your reports there are things in there i thought hmm, that's interesting i'd never thought of it from that angle or just something that i'd never been aware of before so it's been a huge benefit for me i'd like to come in there again on on that point we're speaking, you know, in the context of community, like as in this case, really we're talking about local communities. In Wildwork, we engage with everyone in the community. So whether it's a local community group or the school or, you know, academia or farmers or local business, we're trying to connect everything together. But a lot of our work, you know, it is focused and it very much has been from the beginning on the business community. 
And when we went about setting up these work placements this year, actually the intention and COVID, you know, put made this not not a possibility. Fair enough. But the intention at the beginning was for you guys to have a real strong element of your work placement to be linked in with the business community, um, and that wasn't able to happen. But some of the stuff that you've been doing with us on the in the background, though helping us to develop certain types of products and service offerings that we're going making. The evidence of it isn't there yet, but you've been helping us to alter our approach that we need to take going forward in working with businesses. Um, so like one thing now that we had hoped to get off the ground was um, for one of our large corporate clients, we can no longer do education sessions uh, with them in the field, in person with people because of coronavirus restrictions. So instead, they're interested to have us capture video content where we would go out essentially like doing field work it would just be maybe us and one or two others just the people that work on wild work be that students or whoever else and we capture really interesting nature themed footage that's of relevance to the biodiversity work we're doing with the corporate client and part of that service won't be actually just doing the work but it's also trying to develop the product it's a service offering to a client so we need to work out things like how do we pitch this to businesses? How do we, how do we actually like let businesses know that this is something great you can still do? Or in fact, this is something that might be better than what we were doing previously. And with that, then we're also talking about being able to offer a consultation style service remotely uh, over Zoom and so on. And you guys have been testing that out with us. I mean, we had hoped that we would get it going a little bit quicker and that you could participate in some of those consultation sessions with us. But I know this stuff hasn't come about yet, but going forward for other students, we'll hope to have a lot more opportunities with businesses there. But just say thanks to both of you for helping us so far in trying to develop the remote working concept with our business uh, service offering. That was actually really fun to do because as Kinga said, literally this work placement was never boring. There was always something new and something different that we got to get involved in. So looking at the videos, helping make the videos for me was really interesting, really fun because in college I've made a few videos for assignments and a lot of people don't understand why we have to do it. And they're like, why do we have to make a video? It's not relevant. We're not going to be doing it in the future. And now I can kind of turn around and say, hey, you know what? I actually have used it in a workplace that is going to be used in the future. And as you said, that like we're not seeing the results of what we've been working on yet. And we probably won't see it by the time that we are finishing. But I know myself that you're going to be using a video that I helped record. And that's like a really good feeling as well. And another thing that we were working on was a lot of to do with social media and science education. And we've touched on it before. But specifically, Karen, you were kind of our, our mentor for that as we try to navigate the, the kind of weird dynamics of being students, being used to like talking really scientifically and then actually just putting out a tweet that everyone can understand. And it was great to have someone that we could just, well, I mean, everyone helped, but like just to have someone that we could run tweets by and be like, does this make sense? Is this a good idea? That was really nice. And it's something that I found really challenging, to be honest. Although this is an area of work that I want to get into, I didn't expect it to be as hard, or at least I didn't expect myself to find it as difficult as it was. So I'm really happy that I got to work on that. Yeah, that's great to hear. And you're definitely right. Um, tweeting isn't, or social media, it can be a bit of a minefield. It's not something you can just go into and, and start tweeting. It is something you have to learn. But did you guys enjoy it? I did, yeah. It was, it was a completely um, 
new skill I developed. I never had Twitter. So yeah, it was, it was great to have the chance to do it. You look back throughout the tweets, you can probably see maybe like the way I'm tweeting getting a bit more relaxed as well. Because at the start, it was very formal. It was really like, you know, I, I was just like very, how would you describe it? I suppose, yeah, I was just really formal with the way I spoke. And then as time went on, it got a bit more relaxed and it, like the content was still there. The information was still there, but it wasn't as um, formatted. Yeah, no, it's difficult when you, you're basically speaking for someone else. And there's all these things in your head. You're like, got to make sure it's correct. I got to make sure it's interesting. I got to make sure I'm not insulting anyone. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go behind a, a simple tweet. Yeah. I agree. I think if you kind of looked at the things I've tweeted, it might seem like oh, I just casually wrote that and tweeted it. But it takes a lot of time to, you know, look up the information and be like, no, that's, that's not interesting enough. That's not useful. And then I kind of sit there for 10 minutes just looking at it just to make sure that like it's interesting enough and like you have to fit in within like a certain amount of um, words as well. So that way, like I never knew any of this. I never had that experience. So it was really cool. It definitely gives an insight into what ye actually are doing in the background. Because as Kinga said, sometimes you think, you know, it's just a tweet. But really, there's a lot of work that goes into the social media content. Yeah, absolutely. I still spend maybe 10 minutes going, am I sure it's the species? Now, if I say it's this and then someone comes back, so good. Yeah, no, it's good to get that out there, that uh, simple tweets and Facebook posts. A lot of work goes into that. And I think for us as well, it was getting used to, as you said, talking for someone else. Like, I think for a long time, at least at the start, I didn't have the headspace that I actually am representing wild work. I am doing it so that we're promoting wild work. A lot of time it's just like, oh, here's some information. And then eventually after we discussed and we were talking about it a few times, something clicked and I was like, I'm not writing this for myself, nor am I writing it for a college assignment. I'm writing it for wild work, for the work that you do to promote you and get more awareness for you and for biodiversity. And like something clicked and I was like, oh yeah, it, it was just not a, an element that I was used to at all. And probably one you didn't think you'd be getting at a work placement. And I think one that looks great on a CV. Using the Twitter and other social media, and maybe some of you did videos, did you find yourselves thinking about how to communicate science and biodiversity, conservation to people who may not have a scientific background? Was that useful or did you find yourselves doing that quite a bit more? Yeah, I would say for me, definitely, particularly because my project as well, I'm writing it in a way that it is just for anyone to understand. And I was struggling a lot with that. So then by also doing the social media and the, the tweets, I think it really helped like develop my project and my writing style. Even though, you know, it's like 140 characters, like once a week, you're thinking about it, you're working on it. I do think it actually had a massive impact on the way that I see it anyway. On social media, yes, and also on this podcast series, you know, we've had this conversation quite a lot for myself and Rachel too. We, you know, we talk about things and then we go, oh, um, maybe we should say that in a different way because that might be a bit too complicated. And it's not something you usually think because usually um, in college, you're almost trying to impress people with, you know, your knowledge of all these terms where it's, you know, it was completely different. That's really interesting. One of the things about doing the podcasts that are nice is that it's, uh, it's relaxed and, you know, the podcast episode takes as long as it takes. Well, you know, they're generally in around an hour, but a lot of the time when we do uh, sessions with people, nature education programs, 
you know, the ideal way for people to learn about nature is to come out with you for, say, a weekend and go camping and spend 48 hours solid in the one woodland and just immerse yourself in it. And you'll learn incredible stuff about nature if you really immerse yourself in it and give it the time. And I know I used to work in that sort of, those sort of settings a little bit in the past. And with wild work, we're in a kind of a more fast-paced setting a lot of the time, especially if we're out with business clients or farmers or whoever, they're busy or same at local community volunteers. So people want you to do a nature education session with them. They want you to do it in a half an hour. To a lot of people that do nature education, a two-hour session outside is a short session. Genuinely, it is. Whereas we're having to do stuff in like 40 minutes, 30 minutes. I've been asked to come and do, you know, eight sessions in two hours, 10, 15 minutes each. And just we want you to communicate in general about biodiversity to the the whole audience and just get them interested in it and that's quite challenging and whereas when you're if you think about being in college and you're given an assignment you know just word count and you're expected to cut it down but generally you have ages and you can write a lot and what you're forced to do though when you get into a a setting like ours is that you have to tune it all down and be able to communicate effectively in way less time or way less content and actually what you find is that better and better you get at being like that actually the better you are becoming at being a communicator anyway because um even within academia this morning i was reading through something about a project and it was the mission statement about the project you'd imagine a mission statement might be you know 150 word thing or something it must have been like a two or three thousand euro web page of information about this nazi project all big fancy words and when you went through the whole thing you were like it's not actually saying anything you know so um that's the thing for all of us. I mean, myself, Finber and Karen are constantly have to fine tune our own communication skills. But for, for the students who come into the setting, I think that's one of the challenging things for you is that you're almost being forced to like, yeah, less words, communicate faster, quicker, more effective, but still say the same thing. Yeah, I think word counts are, you know, they say they're guidelines, but in college, they're not guidelines. So it's rather you've not enough words and then you're cutting out stuff and you have to really try to be very concise or you have too big of a word count and then you're just making fluff and you're just trying to fill out the gaps. So as you said, coming in here, it was like, and I'm still working on it. It's like, no, you know, word count really actually isn't a thing. It's just about the content. And they always say quality over content, but sometimes in college when you're thinking, oh, I need to pass this module, that's, that's not the way you're thinking. So really like what we can see from everything we've talked about so far is that there's a lot of practical knowledge that us students are gaining from doing work placement and it's stuff we can't learn in a book. It really is like on the ground work that we are learning. So I think that's why work placement is like a really important component of some courses. I know in like Kinga, yours was optional. You chose to do it. Mine, it was an option of two. And I chose to do it because I think we both wanted the same. You want to gain those skills that you can't learn in a book. What was one of the more surprising things you learned other than the social media? One of the things that um, you didn't think you would learn? I think because of the way um, this placement was carried out, I think we might not realize it, but I feel like I learned quite a lot about communicating with people um, online, you know, like combining everything you want to say and like all the feelings you have about a certain thing like through an email or you know having meetings on zoom and like the issues with like lags and 
you know, people losing internet connection and that kind of thing. That was very interesting because we, we haven't really, d- I haven't done that in the past. And I think it might be, um, this might be happening more and more in the workplace in the future. Yeah, you know what? Exactly what you said, Kinga. I don't want to steal it word for word. But I think the thing that surprised me the most was how efficient we were at communicating, considering we weren't in an office together. I, I had to reach out to different companies and you're kind of learning that professional setting, but we're not learning it in a normal, in a traditional context. So that was quite surprising and it was really interesting to adapt to those changes but as well just in a general sense like I got to go out and do some field work and like learning about different flowers was really really interesting for me and I kind of we talked about it before plant blindness I didn't really realize it was a thing or that I really didn't know what was around me until I went out and started learning with Finn Barrett and William and I was like oh my god there's so much that that I don't know and there's still a lot that I need to learn about just in general what, what plants and animals are around us. I think that's a nice real range of skills from how to communicate over Zoom to um, identifying flowers. Oh yeah, like I think this placement has literally had a bit of everything involved in it. Like it, it's, If you want to learn practical skills, it's great. If you want to learn how to work in a team, it's fantastic. Um, adapting to new technology changes in work environment maybe next year it mightn't be as much of a a kind of a new thing to do zoom calls and to do videos Uh, but definitely for us it's it's kind of big uh challenge well for us too it's all been new and it's been it's been great learning along with you (laughs) i think it's been nice having students you know because when when you have to sort of think okay we'll have to show the student how to do it oh then I really have to understand how to do it as well. So that's a real, that's a good part for, for me anyway as well. Teaching is the best way to learn something. When we kind of take all of these skills that we've learned and we put them together, for us, it's great because once we start looking for jobs, we have all these transferable skills. And for you, it's really, I would imagine it's great because first of all, you know that you're helping kind of next generation to go out and get jobs and become involved, especially with maybe local biodiversity. And I know you have a lot of programs like LEADER that you help people with, but was this very similar to LEADER or was it different? Okay, so when you say LEADER, there's a program that CCAD partnerships administers. It's a rural development funding program, but it's one of a number of different areas of work that CCAD are involved in. So CCAD are involved in a number of different programs all under the umbrella of community development I suppose. Another area, Karen does a lot of work in this space, is on a program called SICAP, it's to do with social inclusion. A lot of the work there is in using nature as a way to engage people and then in turn when you can engage people that means you because a lot of people that this program wants to work with there can typically be hard to reach people. They might need to avail of these services but not really be interested or whatever else so they're trying to find ways to engage them and nature is one of those ways we work on. Anyway, look, CCAD does loads of, of work and a big space then is in helping people to you know, get back into training or education or employment and so on. Another big space on that is the TUS initiative. There's a, it's a work placement program, 12 months long. And people go on work placements with volunteer uh, bodies and they could be doing a wide range of work. So while work being part of CCAD is quite 
tuned into all these different employment pathways, shall we call them, that CCAT are connected. Then also, Wild Work being a conservation initiative, those of us who work in Wild Work are acutely aware that in Ireland we have a biodiversity crisis. We have a situation where nature and the helping of it in our country is grossly under-resourced, and there are a lot of jobs that should be in this sector that are not there. So, so because of all the stuff CCAT has linked in with, and because of us being so acutely aware of what needs to happen in nature, in the job sense, one of Wildwork's main aims is actually to support employment activation in the biodiversity sector. So as we go forward, if Wildwork can create more nature-themed jobs, and any of the people that engage with Wildwork-themed stuff through CCAT or wherever else, they'd find that they like this area, that they'd like to work in this area, so on. We want to create those possibilities for people. So the Wildwork uh, uh, student placement program is very much all based along those lines that we know, like, and Karen and Finbar will agree, we've all been to college as well. And we know so many great people who've gone to college who would love to work in this area and then they couldn't get a job because the jobs don't exist. So Wildwork, through engaging in particular the business community, we're hoping to do more and more business, create more and more work, and more work equals more jobs. And more jobs in nature equals better situation for nature. These student placements, it's not just about providing a nice opportunity for the students. I think that what we're developing here is, some, is part of something so much greater and something that is so important to what Wildwork is about. Thanks for that. I didn't know how to ask the question because I know that you're really involved with um, helping people get back into the workforce, but I didn't know how to actually phrase it. So that answer is exactly what I was trying to ask about. Does it, Karen and Finbar? I'd say also with some of the work that Karen does, some people can't get back into the workplace, but engaging with nature helps them maybe engage with other services that can help them in other ways as well. And CCAD, wild work, using that avenue is also a benefit. Can I ask a question of uh, both of you? I think we've discussed this in the past, that uh, a lot of people who were in college maybe, or who work in conservation, or just people who are generally interested in environmental matters, uh, you can find yourself a bit demoralized. Yeah, and often people can even be, you know, can get as bad as they're just downright depressed about the situation for the world in which we live in, environmentally speaking. Um, and it can be overwhelming to think about, geez, how can we help save the planet like it's just little old me or it's just little old Ireland what can I do and I've said this before that yeah maybe there's not a lot you could do it as, as an individual that will help save the whole planet but we're always saying to people if you take a look at you know nature in your backyard if you look at you know what's the condition of biodiversity in Cork City or in Crosshaven or in Carrigaline and then you go, what can I do to help biodiversity in Crosshaven or Carrigaline or Cork City? You can achieve great results, like you can make a big difference there. So you don't need to feel overwhelmed. And a lot of the time, even though what we're doing, it is contributing to you know global issue in terms of the environment, whether it's climate change or biodiversity loss. Really, we're constantly looking at what we can do to make things better where we live, you know? And, and what we hope we're doing is we hope that we're empowering people and making them feel positive about like being able to make a difference. You know, imagine you go, you go into a company and there's a bunch of people who work there and they all go, wow, we just increased the amount of bumblebees that live here by, 
you know, 100% and all we did was a small measure. Geez, I'm going to do that now where I live and I'm going to tell my neighbors. So we want to get that thing going, like people feeling really positive of what you can do to help nature in a big way where you live. Did you guys, that's my question, and I'm real long-winded in asking it, but did you guys get any sense of empowerment that you're making a difference when you've been on displacement, whether it's for something you do personally or did you feel like you've achieved something through the work you've been doing with Wild Birth? Um, I think in your in our last podcast, when Amy said that, because um, I was talking about people making a small difference, as in um, doing little things that they can to to help biodiversity and the environment and that. And I remember you said that, yes, it's important to do small things, but it's also very important that we actually do the big things too. And I actually thought like, geez, that's that's a great thing to say because I don't know about you, Rachel, maybe it's different in um, what you study, but I would say 80% of what we talk about in college is just straight negative, like it's depressing. Um, We just talk about, you know, how bad the situation is. And I think that's why I'm kind of looking forward to being done with college in a way, because you guys are out there and you're, you know, you're making a, a difference. And I think that's, like you said, I think having the chance to do that with you guys for six weeks has just felt really great because sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, I want to help. Like, I can't really, I can't think of much that I can do right now. Like, I can only sit there and like get this degree and then help. So coming out here and getting kind of that, um, six weeks experience of what I'm hoping to do after college was yeah, it was it was great it was fun and it really cheered me up yeah because even even my project is based on climate change and uh, at the start I was really struggling with looking at climate change and seeing how we can make a difference because again a lot of it is just like it's such big numbers and it's so scary and I was reading all these papers about it and then I realized I'm just not reading papers that are showing us what we can make a difference on. So I, that side of it going on, but then just everything we've been doing, it feels like, as Kinga said, there's small things that we're doing, but we need to make the big changes as well. And from work placement, I feel that I myself just kind of have a much more optimistic outlook now and that like I can do things myself, even if I'm not involved with, um, like a charity or I'm not volunteering if I'm just doing my own small actions I am making a difference and even social media just seeing engagement with people and how many people are so interested in biodiversity and like wildflowers planting wildflowers learning more and seeing how and how we're all working together has been fantastic. Yeah I think it's also great to see how you can actually apply the knowledge into the real world I don't know about you, Rachel, but sometimes you have, you kind of have that worry a little bit about, you know, what about after I'm done? Like, what does, what can you actually do out there? And it was, it was just nice to see how you guys, you have such a wealth of knowledge and how you're actually applying it to, you know, doing good in the world. I think particularly as well, like a lot of people I know want to go abroad and they want to go work on the Great Barrier Reefs, go help the lions and there's a part of it where I was like, what are we doing in Ireland? I was like, I felt like I just didn't know anything about, about what work was actually going on in Ireland. And I want to try to help local biodiversity. That's, that's my aim. I'm really interested in talking with farmers, local farmers, seeing what they're doing. So then to actually come into work placement and see what you're doing guys and see that like, Oh, there actually is, there's a lot going on and there's a lot coming in the future as well. 
that's going to like that looks really promising it kind of it, it just reinstills this desire in me to to work in local because everyone seemed to just be like oh I'm going abroad I'm going to you know a lot of people volunteer abroad as well and that was never something that I felt like I could do financially so that I felt like I was kind of missing out on that part as well but then coming here and seeing you know what there's so much going on in Ireland that I feel like maybe we just weren't aware of or maybe it's just is it picking up steam now in Ireland do you think or has it always been the case? I think it it's picking up steam. I mean, I, I feel the same as you. I mean, I went to college late in life and yeah, you, you don't learn a lot about what's going on locally, even though the professors and lecturers are doing work locally. It doesn't seem to be like, right, let's talk about what's happening in Ireland. But it was only last year that we had our first biodiversity conference, but it was hugely attended. And I think there's going to be more. And I attended the um, EPA water conference. Well, I did it on Zoom. And there was, I think, something like a thousand people attending it because now more people were able to attend it. So, yeah, I have a feeling that, it, that it's picking up for sure. I think there's more interest in local biodiversity now. I think the message is getting out. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Um, it would be an interesting piece of research, actually. Or maybe someone is doing research on this topic. If you are, let us know. We'd like to find out some answers. But, like, for me when you ask that is there much happening with people being interested in doing stuff to help nature I think the other side of that question is um, are people connected with nature locally so it may be that in the past people weren't really engaged with an environmental movement because maybe their way of life was more environmentally friendly and they were still mad into nature from a hobby perspective but they weren't really environmentalists per se nowadays then you might have you you have a lot of people and they might be environmentalists but they might not actually be that engaged with nature and you have people and they're doing they're taking action or they're doing things to help save the planet and tackle local environmental problems and often when people aren't that connected with what's actually happening in in an ecological sense in your local environment they can be out there doing things that are counterproductive not that useful so i think it's an there's an interesting time there's a range of people who are well into nature, really interested in it, and maybe don't even re- they, they could be older people who don't even realize there's environmental problems, have not even kind of clicked that curlews are disappearing or whatever else, but they could still be mad interested in nature. I can think of a few such people. Then you have people who have very little nature knowledge, who have never really tuned into Irish nature, who are mad passionate environmentalists. So those two different cohorts kind of make the question you ask interesting. Are people getting more engaged in nature? I don't know. And then, so like, are we asking more engaged in topics like climate change and what's happening to the planet? Or are people becoming more engaged in badgers and squirrels in Middleton? I don't know. It's an interesting space, an interesting question to be asking. Yeah. What we need is to have both those sides coming together and talking. And then I'm pretty sure you'd start getting some answers. Yeah. I think what's happening as well, I've seen in about the last, around the last seven years or so, is that the state agencies that are involved in engaging people in, in things like you know local planning or national like county development plans or national biodiversity plans or whatever else, they're doing a much better job, I feel, on actually getting the word out there that they want people's input and they want to get people engaged in it. So that might be why there's more people attending these things. Or I don't know that there is more people attending either, because we again we haven't been looking at it, but I would, that's something I've noticed. I feel 
your Cork County Council or your department of whatever else or the National Parks, Wildlife, whoever it might be, I think they're starting to do a better job in engaging people and reaching out and connecting with people. Or at least they're more aware that they need to be doing that and they're making efforts towards that. And that, that is a trend that I've noticed. Yeah, it's good to, it's kind of good to get your perspectives on it as well because, you know, you, you're the ones that are out there every day actually seeing the response from people and seeing how people um, are get how they're engaging with nature as well. There is research on it. Um, the EU does the Eurobarometer. If if people are interested, I, it just came to me there. They do do these um, surveys in all the EU countries, and you can see over the various years how attitudes have changed to things like climate change and biodiversity and nature. So that might be something to check out if you're interested in seeing how attitudes, if they've changed and how they've changed over the years. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's uh, thanks to social media that popped up one day. <laughs> it was very interesting. I completely forgot about it to now. So I shall look that up and um, send it on to everyone. And we can actually have a look and see how attitudes have changed. Definitely. And I think the demand for our courses as well is growing. So you can see that more people from a younger age are getting interested and want to pursue that as a career. So a part of that, uh, like we've already talked about, is work placement and how great that is for us getting skills. Is there anything that you would say for incoming students on what they could do, maybe how they could apply for work placement, kind of what you'd recommend for a wild work placement? Yeah, well, for both of you guys, this has been a structured placement. Uh, You haven't just come in, you know, voluntarily and said, oh, I fancy coming in there half days and Fridays for a few weeks. Now, there's been, you're doing this as a module as part of your course. And on the university side, then there, there's someone who's running that module and there's, there's, you've got support on the university side and there is a relationship there with us, with those people as well. That side of it is very good that these are structured placements. In both of the cases now with the UCC and Queen's, this is our first uh, time doing this. I think going forward, for students who come in, you could think of your work placement as... A chance for you to discover new things you might do some research on uh, going forward. So that, like, say before Kinga came in, now she already had a research topic for her final year project next year. But possibly she could have utilised Wildwork work placement to generate a new topic that she could research next year. And I know that uh, lecturers in, on college courses have said that to us before, that they think work placement is a great area for students to discover interesting things that they could do very worthwhile research projects on yeah I didn't even think of that actually because for myself when I did my undergraduate placement it's what made me realize that I wanted to go into local biodiversity and community outreach education type side but I didn't even think that you could just use it to help you sort out a project or think about what you want to focus on going into your final years of college as well no, completely. Like William said, I did have um, I do have a title, but in UCC anyway, when for your final year project, you can come up with a title yourself. So if I had written to William a couple of months ago and said, oh, I noticed that you're doing work on biodiversity action plans, I would like to base my project on that. That would have been a fantastic opportunity and it really would have helped me next year thinking of it now. Maybe I maybe I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, but for incoming students, that's that's an amazing idea. It would really help you in your final year of college. Yeah, maybe King, what we might do, uh, you know, it could be an idea that could be a condition of the work placement 
or this, sorry, this, this structured learning placement. I think that's what we're, we should be officially calling this now, that you have to generate some you know, research topics so that when you finish, when you do your report at the end of placement, that there's also, here's some um, research topics that I think could be looked into from what I learned. Because it would be, be unfair on, on yourselves to have the foresight to know what you'd like to do your research project on teams around wild work when you haven't even been involved in wild work. That would be, I mean, maybe we might still make that happen if there is any things. Even if you guys think of any things that would be good to look into, you know, let us know and we might pass it on to other students. Yeah, that's a great idea. Cause I don't know, Kinga, you probably agree. Sometimes thinking of a project is really hard. Because again, as you said, going into a work placement, you mightn't necessarily know everything that they're about or everything that they're working on. So then to try to think of a project that suits them is really difficult. But then because we've been through it now, we do have that, that foresight where we can think about, oh, you know what, it'd be good for wild work if they looked into, I know, something maybe more to do with uh, climate and its effect on plants and their growth patterns or something you know kind of like something like that that maybe I've thought of now and it's something that's maybe I can't look into but it's popped up while I've done my project I think that that's actually a really really good idea um I gotta start thinking and start writing stuff down yeah I think anybody who's interested in doing a project on biodiversity like I did or even more like social science you know kind of putting surveys out there because you can do projects on that too. I think wild work would be amazing to do that with. So I, I think I know your answer would be, would you recommend wild work as a placement for students when you get back to college? Yeah, I would 100%. I think the best thing about this placement, like I've said at the beginning, is just the amount of things that you do. By talking to my classmates as well, some were doing their work placements in other places. Not every place will allow you to be a part of so many different projects and get involved with so many different things which at this stage and you know in our careers is very important um to not be limited because you never know what you like or won't like so in in that aspect anybody who's interested in you know the things that we've done with Rachel you know biodiversity climate change social communication that kind of thing I think works amazing yeah I would very much recommend that great thank you I think as well, um, something that's worth mentioning that we didn't before is that when you are looking for a work placement with UCC, you are given a list of places that, you know, that people have went to before. And from now on, wild work will be on it like every year. So like you said, sometimes it's very difficult to think of places that, you know, concern like local environmental projects or biodiversity and now wild work will be one of those places that people will find because of that. And for the initiative, I, I think that's great. I think so too. Yeah, same with Queen's now. It's kind of established it because I knew about wild work beforehand and then I went to Northern Ireland. But now there's the link between Queen's and wild work and hopefully that can kind of be further developed so that students from Northern Ireland, maybe England can come down as well, get a taste of of biodiversity in the Republic of Ireland. So it's, it's a great opportunity for everyone involved. And I think the skills that we learned are very transferable to, you know, any job really. For example, we were talking about the projects just a second ago, and I was actually just thinking in my head that even though I'm not doing my project on it, biodiversity action plans, learning the structure and the kind of the process of how to um, combine information that will really help me next year and, you know, 
like when I'm done with college, things like time management, working as a team, putting out online content, all of that, you can use that in any job or most jobs at least. One of the things, um, I'm chancing my arm here now that, the, that some person with money in their back pockets listening to our podcast. But when I, think, when I think about the work that we do, you know, you always, you always think about, you know, what would this be like in an ideal world? I think for anyone that has been listening to this podcast so far, you'll get a real great sense of how wonderful this concept of student structured placements is. Like how much can be gained out of it for, for the students themselves, for for us in Wildwork, for people we engage with, for nature. I really think this is something that has wonderful potential. But, you know, it takes work and resourcing as well. And if, if it goes into it, then it can go somewhere. So, I mean, if there was anybody out there now, a philanthropist or some big business owner who would like to invest in something really, really well worthwhile, I think this is the sort of space that deserves funding or some sort of it doesn't even have to be, I'm not just speaking about wild work here. I think just in general, this concept of having students on placements and the way we've been doing this one so far is a great thing. But it does take work. So for myself and Karen and Finbar, we've put our efforts into this, but um, it, it takes a lot. And like, thankfully, you guys have been wonderful students. So we're actually, it's working both ways. But I think if this space was to be resourced more, get more dedicated staff resources to the space that have developed this, then it could really grow it. It could really do wonderful things uh, for Ireland anyway, in terms of uh, nature conservation. I don't know whether that will ever happen, but I'm just having my say that I, I do think it's a worthwhile thing to get more of this happening. Um, but speaking of people making investments or donations or whatever else, Kinga, I might embarrass you here now a little bit, this is Kinga's last day and a lot of the time when that happens uh, when we work in sea kind of it's someone's last day we do cake and chocolates and whatever else and Kinga was suggesting there that she was going to bring us in chocolates I mean maybe she could post us some she didn't think of that but Kinga what what Kinga did do which was a very kind thing and I know we all really appreciate this is she's after making a donation on behalf of the wild work team to a reforestation project in Ireland and that's small thing to do Kinga perhaps or a big thing to do it depends how you look at it but it was a really lovely thing to do so just like to thank you for that and we'd love to hear a little bit more about the reforestation project perhaps we can share the story of that with some of the listeners it was my pleasure um, I think it's a great cause the project's called 4 and what it does in what the project does is it educates people about biodiversity issues in Ireland because Ireland used to be covered um, entirely by woodland in the past, and now only 2% of Ireland is native, cor- um, native forest, and um, 11% is just tree cover. So what they do is they allow you to make donations. So you're either donating to the project itself, and you're just giving them money to plant native species, or what I have done is I actually, I didn't send this on to um, the team yet, but you can buy a tree and you're basically, you're sending people the GPS coordinates of the tree and pictures of it. And you can sign up to have updates every couple of months about how the tree is growing. So I thought that would be quite nice for you guys. And it's very much in line with my project as well about biodiversity. So up to date, they have planted 5,500 trees and of sudden um, 597 tons of carbon dioxide. And that's so much better than chocolates, especially after all the weight gain from lockdown. So this is much better. Thank you, Kinga. 
All right, so uh, Rachel, you know, it's the end of your podcast um, series, really. And I'd like to congratulate both of you guys on doing a great job. I mean, you've both taken, Rachel, it was originally your area of responsibility to develop and run this project, but I know Kinga has helped an awful lot and she even hosted one of the sessions. And you've done fabulous work. It's a credit to you. So, you know, a lot of things that happen to you when you're doing well work, you're out there. Uh, delivering an education session to people and something fails you and lets you down. And I've joked before that uh, you can depend on nature, but you can't depend on technology. And I don't know how many times I've said it. It's true all the time. And unfortunately, our resident botanist, wildflower expert, Finbar Wallace, he is after losing his connection. So you might not have heard his voice for a little while in the pod, but that's why. But you know what? I don't think it really matters now. Sorry, Finbar. But um, we've been training in two new plant experts uh, during the course of their placement, Rachel and Kinga. So what I might do here now for a final question is I'll put our new plant experts on the spot and, and ask both of you, it doesn't matter who goes first now, but um, I would ask you to you know, imagine sometime you're delivering a nature education session in a local community somewhere in Ireland, taking people on a plant walk, we'll say. Can you think of some interesting piece of plant information that you're going to tell someone about on that walk and let us know here now on the podcast. I definitely think one that people see a lot is ragwort and what I really learned over my time was that ragwort is is considered a, a noxious weed and people don't like it. It's not great for, for farmland, it's toxic to animals but there's actually a lot of benefits for ragwort so I think that's something I'd point out. Cinnabar moths have to feed on ragwort during their um, caterpillar stage and that's the only way that they can live so ragwort's actually really important to them and I posted about it on social media and someone pointed out that um, bumblebees actually as well if they feed on the pollen then they can also like build up a kind of a toxicity uh, which I thought was really interesting is something that I learned from from um, uh, like a viewer as well so I definitely I think that I bring them up because you see ragwort everywhere and it, sometimes it can be unsightly but there's actually a lot of great benefits to it that I think people I think it would shock a lot of people and maybe you would just get them thinking as well about the roles plants have in a wider system. I think something that um, I found very interesting during this placement is how intricate and complicated nature can be for example uh, I came across bush fetch um, and it's a tiny little purple flower and I didn't think much of it I barely noticed it and I took a picture of it and then I started researching it and it actually um, what it does is instead of holding itself up it climbs onto other taller plants and grows up to get more and more sunlight um, and I just thought it was it was really interesting because like I said it was it was tiny I wouldn't have even noticed it had I not been there to specifically identify plants and yeah, I just, I think that, I mean, I, I'm giving the one example of bush veg, but that kind of goes for most plants when you actually take the time to, to read up on them. They're very clever and they know exactly what they're doing. So Karen, what do you think? Do our two new plant experts pass their exams? Yes, they've got enthusiasm and a willingness to learn. And I think they'll probably keep it up. And that's the most important thing. A willingness to, to learn and to share. Definitely pass. Agreed. Over to you, Rachel. So I think we've kind of, we've 
really talked about every aspect of placement and hopefully maybe students listening to it now can get a better idea of what wild worker are about and maybe just what work placement is about as well and hopefully if you're interested in doing work placement wild work just get in contact with them so i think we're all happy to kind of close out this chapter of the podcast um maybe next year might be picked up again from future students but for now i think it's just bye from all of us it's been a pleasure talking with everyone and i hope everyone that has been listening has really enjoyed it as well so that's a goodbye from me rachel hayden thanks to everybody listening it was it was a pleasure to be here and thank you so much, William Karen Finbar, for taking part in all of this. It's been really a pleasure just to chat about different topics from biodiversity to climate change to just how we even got involved to begin with. It's been an absolute delight having you guys. Yeah, for sure. No, because it's sort of made us, well, me anyway, look at my job again with fresh eyes as if it was my first day at work every day as well. So thank you both for that. Yeah, thanks a million, guys. And um best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much.